Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Amanda Holden to my Alicia Dixon. It's just impeach. This this Amanda Holden content is continuing, isn't it? No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> I've had enough of the Amanda Holden references, to be quite honest. I've got bored of the joke already. Justin, how are you? Um, I'm very good. I feel like the mornings are getting lighter, so I, in turn, feel more alive in the mornings, and which is great for the podcast, obviously, and great for me and great for everybody else who has to talk to me. Maybe because the mornings are getting lighter. Have you ever thought about that? Well, I did say that. Well, you said you f- it feels like the mornings are getting lighter, and they actually are getting lighter. Yeah, my words may have been slightly in, in the wrong order, but here we are. Justin, you had a good week? Everything good? It's, it's, a, it's a terrible question to ask because we know that nobody does anything interesting. I built a new desk, that was it. That, that was the cusp of... It is quite interesting, but it, it signals the the downfall of me becoming an adult. That's it now. Has this desk got any drawers? It doesn't actually. No? What's it no. made of? What wood? I don't know. I bought it from Wayfair, I think. It's. I don't look at these things. I just. I look. Oh, it looks nice. I'll buy it. It's. It's a very. I don't know. Nondescript way of uh, purchasing things. It's yeah. yeah. I, I. I'm all here for desk chat. If we could just have a podcast about desk chatting instead, that'd be fantastic. You are instead listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the Second Tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This is the midweek edition of the Second Tier, where we run through all the fixtures from midweek in the championship. Uh, But we'll start off by talking about the big news from the midweek, Justin, and that's Nigel Pearson. The managerial situation at Bristol City has hijacked the midweek episode of the second tier once again because Nigel Pearson's been appointed until the end of the season. Uh, your initial thoughts, Justin? It's a it's a tidy appointment. I think he gets a bad rap, and I don't know why. I thought his Watford spell was actually fairly good. Okay, after lockdown, um, they did take a bit of a dip, but. By the time he left Watford, they were three points outside of the relegation zone. Okay, games weren't in their favour, but he did what he needed to do. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for him there because because it's Watford. Um, but yeah, initially, I think it's, it's it's a good appointment. He's a he's a he's a manager who gets things organised very quickly. Um, his Leicester spell shows that. Uh, I think that the, the the Derby spell was just you know it was peak Mel Morris at that point. Um, so it's not too much of a taint on 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 Nigel Pearson at all. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the appointment. And what what Bristol City need now is a manager who's going and just he's going to absolutely get things organised and nail people because the the players have been underperforming for far far too long. Um, and we've seen with Cardiff that the Mick McCarthy appointment has has um, has done really well. So there's there's life in the old guard yet. I think they needed to make an appointment quickly, didn't they? There was talk yeah. of them potentially giving Paul Simpson, Dean Holden's assistant, the job until the end of the season. But based on how they did against Barnsley at the weekend under him, then that looked as if things weren't getting any better uh, than they were on Holden. Um, they said they wanted an experienced manager. Nigel Pearson is certainly experienced. Uh, I've never been particularly convinced by Nigel Pearson as a manager. And I think that's because I find his reputation exceeds what he's actually accomplished so for Leicester at it for example sure he got them promoted and kept them up but he only got them promoted after three seasons of trying to do it where they spent a hell of a lot of money 
a hell of a lot of money for the time. And then he had a short spell at Derby, which was an absolute disaster. Um, they looked awful in the time that he was there. <laughs> and then at Watford last season, he was hard done by, in fairness, when he was bizarrely sacked. Although people at the time were acting like he was still this mastermind, even though they were just clinging on to Premier League safety. So that's why I've never been particularly convinced by him as a manager. I think he'll keep Bristol City up and results should improve. If you want someone who's going to really get in the faces of the players and make the pull their fingers out, then Nigel Pearson's that man. Um, we'll just have to wait and see whether he'll be the man to take charge after this season, because it is just till the end of the season. And I imagine if he does well, then he'll be given the job long term, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it would be it would be wrong not to give him longer should I mean the odds are with Bristol City anyway in terms of relegation. It was a case of their form continuing as it was. If that did happen then yeah, they 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 they'd certainly be in a relegation fight. But now Pearson's back in or sorry, back in. Now Pearson's in. I do think that they'll stay up with ease and probably finish in and around mid table. Uh, and from there that's where they build and I think Pearson's Pearson you need a, a manager like Nigel Pearson who gets the best out of individuals, who gets teams organised to, to continue to do that and I think going forward with him would be the better idea rather than pressing the reset button in, in the summer again. Do you think they've kind of pressed the panic button a bit with this appointment? No, I think it's fallen in line quite nicely. You know, he's available. They need a manager who's going to say it how it is and he is a manager who says it how it is. You know, his press conference at Leicester are, are golden. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he just he's so clear cut and honest. Um, I think Bristol City players need need that, and I think as well that the hierarchy because they've spent a lot of money um, and it's not and it's not worked. So I think again, someone like Nigel Pearson is going to come in, and you know there needs to be some sort of structure in place. Needs a manager who is has worked with that sort of structure before as well. Well, he certainly had a good start beating Middlesbrough three one away from home. He wasn't in the dugout. He was in the stands. Not sure if he had any say on what happened on the pitch, but what we can say is Bristol City looked a lot better than they have done recently. Too right. They scored goals. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the uh, that's a, that's an important variable here. Um, I think he met the team before the game and sort of said to them, "Show show them what show them what they can do," and and they did. And that. You know, where's it been? I don't accuse them of downing tools because um, I don't think that happens in football. But it does make you raise eyebrows, <clears throat> given the massive contrast in, in in the performances. Although I think I do think Borough were really poor. I think that sort of lent to it a little bit. But this was this was a massive performance from from the team, especially in the first half. Yeah, they, well, Bristol City only had six shots in the game. And you can't say they particularly dominated it, but the chances they created were good chances. Um, and you'll be surprised to hear Neil Warnock wasn't very happy with this result. Uh, he's called his front men a waste of time, which is strong. Wow. <laughs> but I, I suppose he's kind of bit, got a bit of credence behind that because they had 17 shots to Bristol City, six. And finishing chances has been a chronic problem all season for Middlesbrough, hasn't it? And mm-hmm. even though they're still in the race for the playoffs, I fear that could be what costs them the season, Justin. I can't, I can't. You know, teams like Stoke as well, I just can't see them finishing in the playoffs because of the inconsistency they have, because of the lack of, well, I say lack of consistency in scoring goals and putting chances away because Borough, that's one thing Borough struggled with all season. Actually, Ashley Fletcher came back and unfortunately they lost him quite early on in the game. 
that's not going to help because um, I think it's a hamstring injury as well. You know they've got they've got strikers at Borough, but none of them are putting chances away. You know they've signed Mendes, Lang, Balassi, Cabano, all wide players. They're going to create chances, but are they going to put them away? Again, remains to be seen. So I can't see things improving anytime soon. It's been a chronic issue this season and last season. You know how many chances would they create? last season under under Woodgate I remember laying into Robbie Keane you know having a strike of Robbie Keane's yeah. guild um, and they, they can't score and it's the same this season so I think it's something that's that's been a long term problem for yeah a long time yeah well I thought Ashley Fletcher would not necessarily answer all their problems going forwards but I thought he'd at least help because he was having a fantastic season last season wasn't he even though Middlesbrough yeah. weren't doing very well the wingers you've mentioned None of them are particularly known for scoring goals, are they? So, sure, creating chances will improve. In fact, creating chances hasn't really been a problem all season. They've been creating loads of chances. He's mm-hmm. just putting them away. And they've got Akpom and Asambalonga. Asambalonga's been doing it at this level for so long, but he's not having a good season at all by his standards. And then Akpom, again, never really been a goal scorer. So it's clear where they needed to answer problems in January, whether they even looked to get a striker in January, I don't know, but it just seems like that's going to be what lets them down this season. But let's go from one shock result to the other. Justin Wickham picked up their fifth win of the season by beating Reading 1-0. First question, was the Wickham goal the worst of the season? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it was. I thought, yeah, I think the Brentford goal, which we'll talk about, <laughs> might rival it. <laughs> I disagree. I think the Brentford goal was the best goal of the season. Um, but yeah, two missed penalties in this game. One for Reading, one for Wickham. Wickham also down to 10 men for the final 20 minutes. But I think you'd say if there's one team who couldn't care less about being down to 10 men, then it's Wickham. Because oh, the yeah. 10 men on the pitch would still run through walls just to get a result. Uh, I don't... This might be a big thing, but I don't think there's a squad that has bigger character in the league than Wickham. No. I think I think they need it given I wouldn't say the issues they've got, but given the the budget they've got and how they're having to compete, and they're actually doing a really good job. It's it's such a contrast in, in finances between Wickham and Reading, for example. It's it's yeah. it's so stark, and um, they're they're doing such a good job. And I think the last three games, I think Gareth Ainsworth said after the Derby game last week, which they unfairly lost, that. You know, you feel sorry for teams that are going to have to come up against them now because they've been so hard done by by decisions, and they're finally getting a couple go their way. You know, a couple of penalties. Um, yeah, it didn't happen in this game really, but they they just it feels like they're turning a corner in a positive way. And there are teams above them who are dropping like a stone. Their form's just completely gone off the window. So I'm not convinced they're down yet. Well. Eight points from safety. I suppose the worst thing is for whoever Wickham have got coming up next is that Wickham have got this carrot dangling in front of them now of staying up and that's just going to make them even more determined because if they got cut adrift, then I'm not saying it might it would have necessarily happened, but they'd have an excuse really for their standards to drop slightly. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they've got a small chance... It's, it's such a small chance, but it's a chance nonetheless of staying up, then it's only going to make them even tougher to beat. If they do stay up, Justin, it will be the biggest miracle, I think, ever in the Championship. Ever. I, I can't I th- think of anything else that would top it. 
I think if they do, I think we should rename the podcast the Gareth Ainsworth Podcast because that sort of honour needs to be led. <laughs> I, I don't want to go as far as promising to name the podcast the Gareth Ainsworth Podcast. We'll, we'll name him um, next season's game. We'll name after him. Does that sound all right? Okay, you'll get a tattoo of Gareth Ainsworth. No, no, no. <laughs> I do not want my body with Gareth Ainsworth's face on it, even though it is a lovely face. Um, but let's talk about Reading because this is their fourth loss in their last five games. And I asked the question at the weekends, Justin, or was it last week? I can't remember when it was. But I'll ask it again. Could they be falling out of the playoffs? It's a potential, isn't it? Mainly because of the form of Barnsley, um, Cardiff. Uh, it's 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 a massive worry, and I, I think as a, as a Reading fan, you do have to be concerned at this run of form. You're looking at the missed chances in this game. You know, four shots on target. The amount of chances they conceded as well to to Wickham is 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 frustrating. The the, the penalty miss. There are a lot of things going against them. And obviously, John Swift's out long term with an injury. It's not it's not an ideal set of, set of circumstances in a in a key point of the season because. The March-April running is so important for teams trying to finish in the playoffs. You have to get a good set of results to finish in the playoffs. Um, you know you have to go on and beat them runs because there are teams behind you who start to gather momentum, who start to knock on the door. And unfortunately, Reading is the opposite for them. Yeah, Lucas Yao's form has been a bit concerning recently. He's not been as deadly as he was earlier in the season. Ajaria's not been as effective as he was earlier in the season. They're missing Swift, missing Mate. I, I don't think recently they've actually been terrible, really. They haven't looked distantly second best mm. over the past five games, but they have been a bit wasteful and it's something they need to seriously address. I mean, earlier in the season, I was harping on massively about how clinical Reading were, but recently it seems to be the complete opposite and it's something that needs to be addressed soon. But Brentford, they got back on track by beating Wednesday 3-0. A very one-sided game. This was the dictionary definition of a walk in the park for the bees, wasn't it? It was, and it was it was a hard-working win and a, and a professional performance from Brentford, and it's something that they needed. I know I alluded to the goal not too long ago, but it's that sort of look you need to sort of just lift the pressure off your team because, as I say, three straight defeats, three relatively poor performances in that time. You just need a bit of luck just to turn it around and they got that with the first goal and I think at that point that's when you just start to take you know the pressure just lifts off you you feel you know the weight comes off your shoulders and you start to play your football and, and they did that in the second half really well anyone who hasn't seen the first Brentford goal yet I urge you to search it out possibly the most un-Brentford goal we've ever seen long throw into the box goal mouth scramble Sergi Canos smashes it and it hits Brian and Bremer in the head and goes in it's <laughs> Amazing, my goal of the season so far. But I'm guessing the wobble is over, Justin. Brentford knew they had to win it because the rest of the top four also won. Um, Ivan Tony's back. Things are starting to look positive again. Yeah, they are. I think Billy from Bissard, um said it pretty well that Leeds had this sort of Leeds had this run last season where they looked like they were going to wobble, but you know the momentum just turned around again. Can can Brentford turn it around? Potentially, you know, you can. I mean, the best thing to best thing to do is go go ahead and get a result at the weekend, which you know it's never a given in the championship. You know, we look at Swansea last at the weekend against Huddersfield. You know, lost four one. So, yeah, it's it's about getting another run of form together. And at that point, 
if they go three or four games unbeaten, three or four games winning on the trot, then yeah, I'm, I'm back to being on, on their side again, I think. <laughs> well, they're still second in the table. Swansea are just a point behind in fourth and they've got two games in hand and they seem to be the team that's really in the driving seat <clears throat> for that second automatic promotion spot at the moment, considering Norwich are quite a distance ahead at the moment. Um, but Wednesday's third straight loss, worrying times for them, isn't it? Defending in this game was quite frankly abysmal wasn't it <laughs> it was and that's the, that's the worrying thing because I think <clears throat> one of the, the positives about Wednesday this season is actually how they defended in some games because they don't create chances and don't score many goals so automatically they, they have to be good at defending just yeah. to try and get results um, and it, you know, we, we've seen especially I think there was a Sorensen goal actually it was just static it was just you know they, they were quite still um, and that's the, the worry but you're going away to Brentford so you're automatically thinking it's it's, it's not going to be a given that you're going to get a result bit but of a free hit I don't want to say that because I feel like teams have gone there and got results Derby got a result um, in, in November you know teams 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 go there and they can get results especially now there are no fans in the ground but you're just looking for, for good performances unfortunately for Wednesday they seem to be falling by the wayside yeah, they were always going to be looking to grind out a result there, weren't they? And when you defend as sloppily as they did, then it's never a good start, really. Uh, Norwich still top after beating Birmingham 3-1. Wasn't plain sailing for the Canaries in this game. They only made it 2-1 in the 76th minute. Birmingham had a few chances as well. Um, but it's the old cliche isn't it if you're not playing particularly well but still manage to win then it's a sign of a good side yeah they, they, they keep rolling um I, I do honestly think their policy is just we'll score more than you and I, I'm all for it you know it's it's working it's working for them as it did a couple of seasons ago when they went up their their attacking play is just unreal you know I think their defending at times is, is a lot to be desired but I think they lost Ben Godfrey quite late on in the summer transfer window, didn't they? So I think replacing him, I don't think Hanley and, and Gibson would have been high up on their on their list of, of centre-back partnerships. I'm not saying it's their fault that they concede a lot of chances, but that that might that that's just one of the one of the ways I'm thinking that you know if they've got a, a, a centre-back partnership that they really really sort of buy into, then then it, then it's going to work. Um, but as well as that, can they control game? Can they control games better as well? There's a lot of questions there, but they're winning games, and that's important. Yeah, you mentioned scoring more than the other side. When you've got someone like Timu Puki, who is in top form, quite frankly, he's got two in this game, and then he's got six in his last four games. He is the hottest striker in the championship right now in terms of form. And I think when you consider what he accomplished in the championship a couple of seasons ago and what he did in the first half of the season last season in the Premier League, it's quite easy to forget just how talented a player he is. But recently he's looked extremely effective because the runs he's making, he's getting in the right positions, isn't he? And he could have probably scored more during these past four games, but his finishing at times is just superb. Some of the goals that he has scored, you look at them and go, cool. You'd struggle to find many strikers who would be able to pull that off on such a regular basis as him. He is a superb finisher at this level. Um, but Birmingham, despite losing, 
I was quite impressed with them for, for once. I thought it was probably one of the best performances we've seen from them in a while, which is saying a lot because they've been pretty terrible recently, Justin. Definitely. Um, th- this was a much better performance, and I think that's a that's a big positive. I think this game is a, is a big positive for them as well, which won't feel like it because it's a three one defeat. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a two one defeat because the third goal is from a it's a break, uh, it's a counter attack from a from a, a corner that Birmingham City are attacking. Um, so I think they can count themselves unfortunate, and as well as that, they came up against Tim Krull, who was in really good form. He, he's made five or six saves in this game. So uh, yeah, you'd be disappointed, but I think Birmingham City need to take this performance into into the next game because even at the weekend against Wednesday, they were second best for large portions of it. They take they take positives out of this, go into the next game, they'll get a result. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this was a better performance than the win against Wednesday, quite frankly. Mm. So you can look at this, and for the first time in quite a while, we've got positives from a Birmingham City result. Uh, Swansea, they bounced back from the loss to Huddersfield at the weekend with a 1-0 win over Coventry. Swansea had some good chances in this game. Really should have made it a bit more comfortable for themselves, but 1-0 is a fair result, isn't it? It's a result you come to expect with with Swansea. They just, they're the masses of keeping clean sheets when when winning games. It's as simple as that. It wasn't a game full of chances, but I think Swansea's defending is pretty much won in the game. Benka Bango in particular was was magnificent in this game. You know, and it feels sometimes that like they're they're never going to concede. Um, you just you go into that game, or you go into any Swansea game thinking they're going to keep a clean sheet, uh, and when when that's the case, you're just waiting for them to score at some point because again, it, they do it with such regularity. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't think many Swansea fans will say um, this was their best result of the season by far they um, have played a lot better in plenty of other games this season but a win's a win at the end of the day Coventry still very much amidst a relegation battle aren't they they've had a tough run um, and now they've just come out the other side of it so they've got some big games coming up and really need to make the most of it don't they because they're in a decent position at the moment but if they don't start picking up results on a regular basis then they'll be in a bit of a pickle yeah, uh, the, I mean, Birmingham City, Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday, they're all losing games again. Okay, yeah. It's only Wickham that are starting to pick up results. Um, but Coventry performances, especially over the last two or three games, and then going back to the Watford game as well, they've actually been pretty good. Um, but unfortunately, good performances don't don't pull you away from the relegation zone. It's points on the board. And again, a game as close as this, we're, we're, we'll be banking on Coventry keeping a clean sheet against one of the top teams in the league. Probably not. But they've come up, come up against such an organised defence, it's going to be difficult for them to break down. Um, so I, I actually think they can take more positives out of this than perhaps Birmingham City can against their uh, in their win against against Norwich. I think the thing you can say in favour of Coventry is that they're kind of in a similar bracket to Rotherham in the way that even though results aren't necessarily going their way, they're playing well, which is more than we can say about the likes of. Huddersfield and Wednesday for example who results aren't going their way and they're not playing very well either so if they keep playing the way they are then you imagine results would eventually start going their way the only issue is we are coming towards the business end of the season Justin and that means time is running out for these teams to start picking up results Uh, final one of the teams in the fight for automatic promotion Justin is Watford they continue to be a threat in the race by beating Blackburn 3-2 a deserved three points for the Hornets things got a bit nervy towards the end but Watford good value for the win Definitely, I, yeah. I'm, I've been waiting all season for an emphatic 
Watford side away from home because they're what they're away form compared to their home form. It's just it's not in day. It's 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 weird. They don't they don't get into any attacking gear at all when they're away from home. It just doesn't seem to function. But in this game, it did, which is a really massive worry for those teams that are in the top two, Brentford and Norwich, and even Swansea as well, because if Watford sort out that away form, they're gonna they're gonna rocket up the table because we know they can they can perform. Uh, perform at home and um, the chances you know, I'm looking at Ken Semmer João Pedro and, and Sara as well who were fantastic in this game you know they all got on the score sheet the last three or four games they've been ridiculously good and and, and I don't know if it's brave to say Isco has, has changed it I mean he has changed it whether it's brave to say is, is, the, is the question but those three front three it's working the middle the midfield three it's working don't change it don't go back to a 4-4-2 even if even if players are back fit, just keep this format because it's working for you. Yeah, I could not agree more. The four three three has really been the making of Watford and I think it just it's just because you give that front three licence to do what they want and really attack teams um with this three pronged attack and it's working wonders, especially when you have someone like Saar earlier in the season under Vladimir Ivich, he was being asked to track back and it's just not what you want him to do. You want him to have freedom to do what he wants. And when you let him do that, he is one of the best players in the league by far. Um, João Pedro's goal was lovely. I think the keeper Kaminsky for Blackburn didn't help himself by not coming out for it, but Pedro still had a lot to do to get it over and into the goal. And obviously when you've got the keeper making the mistake, you point fingers at him but Pedro has done fantastically uh, to get it into the net uh, Blackburn's fifth straight loss now down to 15th and judging from this game I think it's clear that the mistakes are at the back are costing them aren't they yes I do um, and I think with Blackburn you have to criticise the influential players I, I alluded to the inexperience at the weekend uh, and I know you mentioned defence there but I'm actually going to pick out Adam Armstrong um, I, I feel like I've been waiting for a, a week to sort of say this point but at no point in the season have I considered Adam Armstrong in the, in the top three strikers in the league he is the second top scorer um, but he's had the most shots in the league in fact he's he's had 33 more than the nearest player he's, he's had uh, another five in this game and he's not put any of the chances away um, to be honest, from a Blackburn perspective, I'd cash in and, and find someone else who's more efficient in front of goal because I, I think that's that's going to be the difference in between, for them getting into the playoffs because they've got players in the team that can score and create. Um, and I know Adam Armstrong's been been the leading man this season, but I feel like a more efficient number nine is is the way forward for them. And obviously, you know, a, a better defence as well will help. I'm not sure many Blackburn fans would agree, but not. this is what the second tier podcast is here for standout opinions right Justin let's have a break after that we'll have a chat about the playoff race and the relegation battle I tell you what there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt I've got loads of them a Juventus shirt Marseille shirt even an Antalya Sport shirt one of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that of course includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. 
It's not just shirts either, they've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to classicfootballshirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier podcast in a massive game. A massive game in the playoff race. Bournemouth and Cardiff met at the Vitality Stadium, but it was Cardiff who ran out with three points by winning 2-1. And I saw this game just now. I thought it was a thoroughly well-managed game by Mick McCarthy. Do you agree? I do. I do. And I think that's just Mick McCarthy. team summed up because he's got experience of... Finishing team, finishing the automatics. You know, he's a, he's a championship master, and he knows how to to manage these sorts of games. And he did, as you say, he did it really well. Um, he's got players playing for him. You know, you contrast this this performance um, now compared to what it was like under Neil Harris. It's it's, uh, it's just such a it's such a massive improvement. That you can't understate it. There's more backbone in this Cardiff side than there was under Harris, which again it feels like a criticism under Neil Harris. But we we said we were expecting them to do better. They didn't. And Mick McCarthy's, you know, they've won six games in a row. They've beaten a playoff con- a playoff contender, a, a, a prime playoff contender, and they've got so much momentum now. It's so hard to stop them. It is. It's a, it, it's it's massive. Sixth straight win. Sixth straight win. It's just remarkable. When did Neil Harris get sacked? Was it December, January? I can't remember when it was, but whenever it was, if you said Mick McCarthy would have Cardiff in the playoffs by February, it's just mind-blowing how much he's turned it around. And now, the way they go... The, I know we've spoke about them a lot recently. And we just, we're running out of things to compliment Mick McCarthy's <coughs> job at Cardiff about. But they are looking like a team that is going to finish quite comfortably in the playoffs now, don't they? Because they're just a force of nature at this point. I, I can't see anyone stopping them. And with the teams who we mentioned earlier, Reading and Bournemouth, who were occupying the playoffs um, for most of the season, Cardiff are going completely the other way, while those teams are struggling at the moment. So, I mean, it's just astonishing, Justin. It simply is. What more can you say? (laughs) But let's talk about Bournemouth, because they are really struggling at the moment. And it goes back to what I was saying at the weekend, when we were talking about the appointment of Jonathan Woodgate until the end of the season. I'm really not sure about this appointment, Justin. I'm really not. I mean, Mick McCarthy after the game said he expected Bournemouth to play better. And the reason he expected that is because they should be. This is such a talented side, but they've quite frankly rolled over here. I know it got a bit nervy towards the in the second half when uh, Cardiff were holding on to the win. But when you've got a Bournemouth side with the talent they've got available to them and... They were second best to this Cardiff side. Second best quite easily. It's it's not good enough. It's quite frankly not good enough. And Jonathan Woodgate hasn't got a great record at the Championship in Middlesbrough last season. When um, Jason Tindall got sacked, we were saying at the time, it shows that Bournemouth's board clearly are desperate to get promoted this season. Do they really think that's going to happen with Jonathan Woodgate? I mean, really, they could have appointed any experienced championship manager and they've gone with one who's barely experienced and has a terrible record in the championship so it just it just doesn't make any sense to me it doesn't you're right i i i, I want to sort of steer the blame away from woodgate a little bit and say 
the board had their chance last summer to appoint an experienced manager and go away from the Eddie Howe regime because obviously that's what Tyndall was a part of. You know, it's the same, it's the same regime we saw it with Dean Holden as well under Lee Johnson. It's you know, it's, it's not worked out. Sometimes players just need a fresh, fresh pair of eyes on things. Um, and as I say, they had their chance in the summer, and that was it for them. I think that was it. I think considering the managers that are available then compared to now, it's it's com- a completely different market. As you know, to quote Sean Dash. Um, it's it's just it's not good enough, as you say. And, and and I made some weird analogy earlier on in the season about them, about Bournemouth being in like third gear, not quite getting out of third gear yet, which was good at that point in the season because they were winning games. But now it still feels like they're in second and third gear. They've got gears to go through, and at no point have they reached their peak. And at no point do I think this season they're going to reach the peak. I would I disagree like, with that. I I thought they reached their peak earlier in the season about I'm going to say around November time they were looking class they were playing the ball around superbly and they were looking great but then obviously they had that bad run under Tyndall and everything just seems to have gone wrong I I can't help but think there must be something that's happened behind the scenes I don't know what but for a team to go from playing as brilliantly as they were in November time to how they are now something must be seriously wrong and Going back to how talented this side is, the talent in this side fighting for sixth place in the championship, that's scandalous. That is absolutely scandalous <laughs> and just shouldn't be happening. But another massive game in the playoff race was between Barnsley and Stoke. That finished 2-0 to Valerie and Ishmael's boys. A gigantic win for the Tykes, Justin. Again, same as Cardiff, you can't understate the size of the win. Uh, I have to say, I was sceptical of Barnsley finishing the top six. I thought the points gap they, they, they needed to make up was just too much. But considering the form of Bournemouth uh, and Reading, yeah, uh, can they finish sixth? I think so. <laughs> it's, this is ridiculous that we're even saying this because the top six, were. it felt like they were running away with it. Um, but the way Barnsley play, I think it's just so hard to defend against them. A lot of teams will find it uncomfortable to play against them. They rotate, they rotate the side better than anybody else in the division because of how they play. They have to do that. Um, and yeah, again, how many times can we say Barnsley have been poor over the last six to eight weeks? Well, I don't that, think we can. They had a sticky patch, didn't they? But even during that run, I don't think they played particularly poor, did exactly. they? Exactly. Um, just quickly on this game, Callum Stiles' goal. What a screamer that was. The swerve on that was just wonderful he's hit it from 30 yards and he's managed to hit it in front of the camera so he managed to see how much it swerves from the point it leaves his foot all the way to the side netting uh, but Barnsley now just a point off the playoffs with a game in hand and I get what you were saying Justin I completely agree with everything you were saying if you take a step back though and just see that Barnsley are in prime position to finish in the playoffs this season then it's just astonishing because first off, where they were early in the season, they had a terrible start on the Gerhard streamer, didn't they? And they really came out of the gate later than the rest of the teams fighting for the playoffs at the moment now. But here they are, if they win the game in the hands, they're joint fifth. Joint fifth, it's just, it's mind-blowing. And the other thing is, if you compare Barnsley financially to the other teams around them, especially Bournemouth, they're now just a place behind Bournemouth. Barnsley's wage wage bill compared to theirs, I, I dare not. I dread to think about how small it is compared <laughs> to Barnsley, uh, Bournemouth. Sorry, but Barnsley have put together this extremely talented side, 
all of them buy into the philosophy at the club. It's also worth pointing out it's the youngest squad in the league and Valerian Ishmael is working wonders at Oakwell. I mean, just the transfer strategy as it is, bringing in, managing to bring together this group of players is remarkable in itself. Uh, but for Stoke, it is a bad loss, isn't it? And it was not necessarily a bad performance by them, but the result is a bit of a sucker punch to their playoff chances, isn't it? I mean, they're still right in there, but other teams are going better than them. Yeah, we <clears throat> we talk about momentum. Borough, Stoke, Bournemouth, Reading, they're faulting now. And, you know, it's... The, at times it feels like they're, they're stalling, you know, a bit like a kangaroo car. Yeah, a kangaroo jump, sorry. You know, when you start your car and it like jits forward and it just jumps forward. It's just that constantly with these teams. At no point have they got it into into motion. Um, and and with Stoke, I feel like it would have been a different season with Campbell Fit. I know it's, I know it's hindsight, but having Stephen Fletcher as your only fit striker available, and I forget that Sam Vokes exists. I think a lot of Stoke fans do as well because he doesn't play... I think it's I think it's bad planning from Stokes' perspective that they don't have backup players. Uh, and again, the January transfer window they brought in wide players, which we knew that they needed a striker to replace Campbell. They didn't, and I feel like <clears throat> I feel like they're they're paying the price for it now because they had seven chances in the penalty area. Perhaps a striker would have put one of them away. Yeah, Nick Powell didn't have a great game here. Stephen Fletcher didn't have a great game. Jacob Brown didn't have a good game. There were plenty. Basically. Bar the defence, everyone else for Stoke didn't really have a great game. Um, and it does unfortunately seem like their playoff push might fizzle out. I mean, they're still right in there, but I would be surprised if they finished in the playoffs this season. Justin, would you? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think a mid-table finish. It's still a positive season, but in the grand scheme of things, when compared to where they were and how they were going when Campbell was fit to now it's, it does seem a bit disappointing yeah I mean with Michael O'Neill we're big fans of Michael O'Neill aren't we he's one of the best managers in the division but injuries and the players they're lacking going forwards is really holding them back Derby 2 Huddersfield nil. very straightforward win for Derby what do you think? as easy as it got I think other than the first 10 minutes where Huddersfield sort of came out of the box quite quickly probably quite confident after that 4 win against Swansea it, it quietened down for them and, and Derby took control as soon as they scored it was it was pretty much I wouldn't say one way traffic because it wasn't a game full of chances but it was fairly straightforward for Derby after that after that first goal yeah they controlled the game throughout didn't they I thought Graham Shinney in the middle of the park was excellent Just, he's someone you're a big fan of isn't he I love him I love him. He, he he's not very tall, but he he dominates the midfield like nobody else. And I'd be surprised if he doesn't get a Scotland place. I think there's an international break coming up, and I'd be surprised if he doesn't get a call up because form wise, I don't follow Scottish players very often. But I don't think there's a I don't think there are many that are ahead of him in terms of form. So I'd be surprised. I mean, when Bielik was there him and Shinny in the middle of the park and Jason Knight as well. You had that perfect blend, didn't you, of players who work their asses off and intelligence as well with Bielik and it just worked so well and that's why Derby were playing so well when Bielik was in the team. Um, but I think most of this game's got to be focused at Huddersfield really, hasn't it? Because mm. defensively they were a shambles. In fact, there are shambles all over the pitch in this game, but defensively they've been a shambles for quite a few months now. They have, yeah, and I think the the second goal especially, they were playing a line literally on the halfway line. Their defensive line was on the halfway line. And Martin Wycorn, 
I, I, I like him. He, he works very hard, but he's not quick. So to allow a player of his speed to break through the lines, it was a lovely ball from Colin, Colin Kazim Richards, but allow a player of um, Waghorn's pace and speed to, to get ahead of you is just outrageous. And as you say, defensively, it's been it's been a, I wouldn't say a shambles. Actually, no, yeah, I would. It, it definitely has been a shambles. <laughs> Um, Changed mind that quickly. Yeah, yeah, it didn't, didn't take long because I just sort of realised some of the chaotic defending and, and mistakes that they make. Um, it's not. I don't think that's down to Corbran. I just don't think he has the tools at his disposal to get what he wants. Yeah, Huddersfield's now seven points above the relegation zone, which is a healthy margin, but considering how they've played recently, I know they obviously got the result against Swansea at the weekend, but apart from that, we haven't seen many positives, have we? Uh, Derby, on the on the other hand, they're now eight points above the relegation zone, a game in hand as well. Obviously, East Midlands Derby on Friday. Would you go as far to say that... It, well, I'll put this caveat out first. I don't think... I'd be very surprised if Forest or Derby got relegated this season, but would you go as far to say that the winner of the game on Friday is safe it's very hard to say in the championship and i'm not going to stick my neck out because i feel like if i do i feel like hang on, forest is definitely safe or derby are definitely safe one of them will get relegated but there are there are teams now that are on a downward spiral um before performances are waning um derby and forest have a little bit of momentum um so it's hard to i think a draw in this game in particular would be uh, still a good point but i'm not going to stick my neck out i'm not going to do it well, let's talk about the other side of the East Midlands derby. Forest, they beat Rotherham 1-0. Ryan Yates with the goal. A very tight game this, wasn't it, Justin? It's, it's, it, it's been... Every game almost under Chris Hewitt has been tight. Um, but the efficiency against teams in the bottom half is just ridiculous. He's won 31 points from 13 games against teams who have been in the top half when Forest have played them, which tells you of not only the planning, but as well as that, the... The, the margin of error that Forest have gone into games. Um, as I say, it's, it's efficiency at, at its core. And I think Chris Hewton's points per games record in the Championship is something like 1.8. And when you've got a manager who, who has that sort of record, it's uh, the only way is up for Forest. And, and he's showing that with the, the form that they've, been, that, that, the, that they've been in. It's just it's such a turnaround, such a contrast again. Yeah, Rotherham have had a tricky run of games recently, haven't they? Um, but this was a game that you'd probably have had to look at and thought, right, this is where it turns around. Um, and it hasn't, ultimately, has it? And we were saying the performances recently, despite, they, despite them losing four games in a row now, the performances recently have also been quite good. But again, results aren't getting on the board and it's all well and good playing well. But if you're not getting points on the board, then that's ultimately going to cost you. They have got Reading at the weekend. Reading not in great form. So maybe they'd fancy getting something from that game. Then after that, they've got Sheffield Wednesday, which is a gigantic game mm. next week. Uh, Luton and Millwall drew one all. George Evans got a 94th minute equaliser for Gary Rowett's boys. The draw record is still on, Justin. Come on, Millwall. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Because obviously it was it's one all of, I think about. <laughs> I know, but it, I, exactly. I, even at the weekend, I was like, "Yeah, come on, Millwall." Um, but it was it was one nil up until the ninety third, ninety fourth minute, and then Evans pops up, who never scores, and he's like, "Yeah, let's get this draw record." 
you can you can see the desire to get it can't you <laughs> and that's why they were celebrating so much because they know the draw record is, is still on and in fairness Millwall shouldn't have really drawn this game they were much the better side and Simon Sluger in the Luton goal was a very busy boy they'll be wondering how they didn't get an equaliser earlier yeah definitely they you know they've had three shots on goal Sluger saved them all and as you say it's, that's pretty much been the letdown for for Millwall this season. Is at key times they've not taken a taken a chance, or at key times a, a chance has, has hasn't gone their way. Um, the opposition have, have nicked it ahead, and yeah, it, it's just been one of the the, the the key factors for Millwall because they're only six points off the playoffs. You know, again, consider how they were six six or seven weeks ago. It's a good, it's a very good turnaround in form for them, and I don't think it's some. I don't think they'll finish in the playoffs, but as I say, they're they're, they're right on track to finish where we expected them to do they've got other targets this season Justin that draw record exactly, they're breaking exactly. it uh, Luton on the other hand they are 17th now they are 9 points um, from the relegation zone and looking like safety is on the horizon it's very difficult at this point to see anyone other than the bottom 6 teams going down and final game of midweek Justin was Preston nil, QPR nil. And God, this game wasn't a great watch, was it? It wasn't. I think the key take from it, I actually messaged you last night, which you ignored, is does Alex Neal go to a hairdresser's? See, I got this text. I was in bed, wrapped up, and then I heard my phone buzz. I thought, okay, I'll go see what that text says. And it says, (laughs) has Alex Neal had a haircut? And I instantly put my phone down and went to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Bearing in mind how early we've got to get up to record this as well. So, just quickly because there isn't anything else to talk about from this game. No. Why do you think Alex Neal has had a haircut? Because he is, as we all know, a proudly bold man. So what's your what's your thinking here? So I don't think he's had a haircut, but I think he goes to a hairdresser's. Okay. Because he's he's letting it get a bit a bit long, you know, a bit long around the sides. It's a bit, you know, where it's, you know, it's thinned at the top. Mm-hmm. It's looking a bit bit shaggy there. So I think he goes to a hairdresser's. When you're bold, you just shave it at home, don't you? Well, exactly. This is what this is. This is the conundrum I've got. Is why why haven't you shaved your hair? Because out of everybody at the moment, other than footballers who seem to be getting haircuts, don't know how. Let's not speculate. Mm-hmm. Alex Neal could look very suave with a, a freshly shaved head. I don't know. <laughs> See, I, I'll have to pay attention next time he's on TV. Because I did not really pay attention to his head during this game. Um, I don't know what else I was paying attention to because this game was awful. But... If we have any bold correspondents who could enlighten us about how they cut their hair, whether they go to a hairdresser's or not, because again, it's eight or nine pound wasted if you do, because it's quite an easy one to do yourself. I imagine we'll we'll know in ten years, won't we? But you know, we need someone who's bold to just let us know because it's it's eating at me. At Second Tier Pod, let us know how bold people are dealing with their hair or what, what's left of it during a, <laughs> during lockdown. Right, on that note, Justin, I think that's that's about it for us today. Isn't it? This has been the Second Tier Podcast. This has been the midweek edition of the Second Tier. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. As always, Justin, you got any plans before we have the Sunday episode? I'm just waiting for the pubs to open. So I'm. I've got the cross in the calendar. I'm just waiting. You've got a long time to wait. So you just kind of stood in front of the calendar, just waiting for the uh, days yeah. to finally get there. Just got my yeah, my fist clenched. So like, hurry up, come on. <laughs>
<laughs> I would love to see that. Anyway, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday for all of the weekend's matches and all the latest news in the Championship. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Thank you.